Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. There we go. (laughs) Welcome to that very fun cold open to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. (laughs) Can you tell I was drinking last night? Because I sure can. With me. (laughs) Are you drinking now? No. (laughs) Make make things easier, but no. Uh, With me, as always, is Steven Taylor. How are you two doing? Uh, I think that a bit better than you are this morning, Kurt. Yeah, yeah I think I think I think we're on the uh, the number one and two spot right now compared to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a night of fireball and tequila and jello shots and uh, very high Just alcohol the... percentage beer. Yeah, it was a good time. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just the mention of al- uh, of uh, fireball makes me want to go lie down in my bathroom next to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the, I will say in Fireball's defense, it does really work well during like November, December. Like, <laughs> it does have a spot. You know, you know, you're not gonna drink it during the summer. That's just psychopath behavior right there. But you know, November, December, yeah, it, it has a, it has a plays a role. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, we're we're, we're doing De Palma. We we. We've covered a few De Palma movies in the past. For sure, yeah. Kind of getting into, like, some of his, I would say, I don't know. I don't want to say lesser De Palma, but, well, maybe for one of these I would say lesser De Palma, but one of these is actually pretty up there for me still. It's up to you listeners to figure out which one I'm talking about, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, this is, uh, both of these movies I think are still top tier De Palma. Yeah. Um, the decline. I mean, because the decline is sharp. Uh, yes. after Snake Eyes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, uh, depending on where we're starting with this one, I, uh, I, I, I just, be- I, I, I doubt the validity of the Criterion. Um, and I know I'm gonna get shit for this one. The Criterion label of one of them, I, I think it should be reversed, but. Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Ooh, hot take. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we're talking first of all, first off, about Dress to Kill, which uh, I put in like the top half of of De Palma movies. Um, yeah, is, is it the best? Is it as good as like Blowout or The Untouchables or even no. Sisters? <laughs> I I don't think so. No, I, I like I. That's why it's kind of for me. It's surprising that it's one of it's that it's a movie of his that's in the Criterion Collection because there's just like other ones that I would put in that spot because honestly, this movie is quite messy uh, plot wise. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And uh, but uh, at least it does have one thing going for it. It's very. like gender uh, identity uh, transgender progressive 
for a movie that yeah. came out in 1980, I was like very surprised. <laughs> like I didn't expect you to handle this as well as you did, movie. Um, I mean, it, to it, inter- it, oh, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say it doesn't quite get everything right, but I agree yeah. that for the time that this came out in, even having a single sympathetic feeling for a transgender person is is pretty progressive for this time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know necessarily, he, but like the oh, he gets he gets aroused and then he just turns into a woman. I wonder. Okay, I don't know if that's how it works. But... Yeah, I, that's, yeah, that's not quite exactly what transgender people are about there's no like male and female brain warring each other you know it's just you have a male brain or a female brain or any other gendered brain and that's just kind of who you are like it's almost kind of like this movie and um the other one that we are are talking about raising kane um they kind of both play with this idea of like a a battle in the brain which i think is a little more chaotic than what actually is going on in a transgender person's brain, as opposed to like someone with just multiple personalities or split personalities, yeah. or I don't actually know if that's the correct term for that, but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. That's that's what I got from both both movies uh, is that they're they're both like um, even Dressed to Kill is a split split personality movie. It is relinquishing yeah. control to that female side. That female side just happens to be fucking murderous and nothing but. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is crazy. Just this this red listic murderer. Um, are we really? Are we playing with the fact that we don't know it's Michael Caine the first time we see the kill happen? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I didn't it, really. I as there there is a shot before the the fuzzier shot where Angie Dickinson kind of gets that first blow to the hand. Mm-hmm. That is a that is an unblurred shot, and it's clearly a man. Oh yeah! Clearly, Michael Caine. We, we Michael Caine's iconic. We know <laughs> his features. You can't hide him. You can't dull those features unless you do the soft focus, the the soft blur focus that they do in the shot after. And it's just like De Palma didn't like. It, it's that quick flash. And I, I and you know if you've seen the film before, you know the twist, so you can telegraph it on rewatch. Yeah. You know, like it just yeah. it looks like Michael Caine to me the first time you see her, her on stage on screen. I do. I don't necessarily like. I obviously I know it's Michael Caine, but like because mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. seen the movie before. But like I don't know. I, I was like, you know, they kind of blur it a little bit and they play with the focus a little bit so that like it kind of keeps it nebulous enough. But yeah. But when the door first opens, it's not blurred. Yeah. It's it's not that that dreamy focus, and I argue that the whole movie looks like a dream. Yeah, mm-hmm. like from that from the start from the start, which is like the besides I don't know. De Palma has this thing about showing Bush on screen like right in the first couple of minutes. <laughs> I mean Carrie, and then this movie, um, like he he has he has to, besides a porn movie, he has to be the quickest. Yeah. To. To show and just full frontal nudity on a woman, like as quickly as he can. But even that, I mean, because that, everything starts out dreamlike, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's to say what's reality and what's not? Because there are things, there's just so much things plot wise that don't work. Like there's a, there's, uh, Michael Caine is out doing reconnaissance in, in his, you know, in his, basically his drag outfit um on nancy allen but he's also in the office making phone calls so it's like there are certain things 
Mm-hmm. Either that or, or, or De Palma's just screwing with the timeline in which you're seeing on screen, but that also doesn't work plot-wise. Yeah. It's it's a little bit messy in spots. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, there are so many similarities too that between this movie and Raisin Cane because all of that stuff also happens in Raisin Cane, but I feel like it's a little it's pulled off a little bit more tightly. Like it's 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 not quite as messy in the other movie when they yeah. play around with you know things. Could this be a dream? Are things happening out of order? Like you're not quite sure, but you do figure it out at some point. Whereas in this movie, you kind of never figure out really what's going on. Like, the, the base plot you do, but all the little things in between. It, it's not quite a movie you could go back and rewatch for all those little details, because most of those little details you'll go, but wait a second, it mm-hmm. doesn't quite add up. Mm-hmm. Well, and it almost feels like Dress to Kill was almost like a test run for a lot of things in Raising Kane because there is mm. a lot of stuff about Dress to Kill that feels so drawn out. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are so many sequences that feel like they get so fucking long to get to the point. Of yeah. what the sequence is. I, I'm looking at the art museum as a big one. Yeah. Like that <laughs> sequence is so long. I, I it's gotta be eight minutes long. Oh man, and, and the scene where she's leaving the guy she goes back to his apartment mm. and she's leaving mm-hmm. his apartment and it takes her ages just to pick up all her clothes and leave that apartment. Some I was thinking to myself that maybe sometimes I don't always have the patience for a Brian De Palma film because some of those shots just yeah. take ages. Yeah. Oh yeah. Achingly long. Achingly long. How did we all laugh when she realized that he had venereal disease? <laughs> yeah. Did we was... all laugh? Like, yeah. it's <laughs> such a funny part, and it's so funny how long it takes Angie Dickinson to fully realize it, stand up, have that horrified look. Like everything is. so so drawn out and yeah i'm sorry angie dickinson is fucking awful in this movie <laughs> yeah there's... I, there really isn't a great performance in this movie like th- i think the best performance is the cinematography for this film mm. mm-hmm. there were a couple little comical things in this movie like that like when she's getting killed in the elevator and mm-hmm. i think they're standing out the two other characters are standing outside <laughs> waiting and they're having a conversation about so oh so you think autotron's going up well you didn't hear it from me like it's so random as she's just getting brutally murdered in this elevator oh it was it was, it was ridiculous i don't see nancy allen as a call girl either no she was a little too I don't she's know, so clean. she's so mid midwest like yeah. oh shucks girl and it doesn't, she doesn't have the, and I, 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 this is no indictment on, on Nancy Allen, but she doesn't have that toughness that you mm-hmm. think, you think you would need in stuff like that. Especially when she's going head to head with Dennis Franz, who looks like Jason Manzoukas in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and I, it, it just, it, it, it makes Franz the heavy when they both should have some weight to 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 both of their performances but like yeah i don't know there's just it's hard to believe that nancy allen is this this worldly person yeah i don't know and she and of course she didn't hadn't done robocop yet by that point so Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but what is dress to kill even about oh right (laughs) (laughs) oops (laughs) i mean there's a lot in this movie to talk about so that's fair uh, when Liz Blake, a prostitute, sees a mysterious woman brutally slay homemaker Kate Miller, 
She finds herself trapped in a dangerous situation. While the police think Liz is the murderer, the real killer wants to silence the crime's only witness. Only Kate's inventor son, Peter, believes Liz. Uh, Peter and Liz team up to find the real culprit who has an unexpected means of hiding her identity and an even more surprising motivation to kill. Yeah, that, that, the motivation is basically because someone's got a boner and they got to kill it. So Yeah. Yeah. And even Michael Caine, as great as Michael Caine is in a lot of stuff, he's so subdued and almost just just there. He's just present. There's not yeah. a lot to his performance. If we if you were going to say, "Hey, who's the best performance in this?" It's probably Keith Gordon. Mm, yeah. Uh, arguably, he's the one uh, cuz even even in the the kill reaction scene um with Liz, like she doesn't even have that big of a reaction. And we have to talk about the razor drop where she catches it in the elevator. Th oh. How how does this make sense? I don't even, I'm, I don't understand that scene. There's also when the elevator opens and she's staring at it, she does the she like mimes an oh my god, and it is so it's not good. It's no. like oh my god, and you could you could tell it's just so hammed up almost and then i mean not to spoil dumbest decision but don't touch the murder weapon uh, what uh, is... yeah my god why oh that whole yeah, my that god scene. that scene <laughs> there just seems like so much that De Palma is doing in for for payoff and for small effect that makes makes every everything plot wise murky yeah and mm -hmm. I, I like I, I feel like the understanding of why it's criterion is mostly um how modern Hitchcock it is and it looks at all times because the movie is phenomenal to look at mm -hmm. at all times. And I'll even go back to that uh, art house that art uh, museum scene. like it's it, it's really spellbinding the fact that it's it's disorienting, it's unnerving, it's ramping up in intensity, but it doesn't go enough. Like the, the the reveal beyond that scene is that painfully awkward sex scene in the fucking cab. Yeah. With the cab yeah. driver watching the whole time. Oh, and, God. <laughs> and also really what really made me laugh. And they only do it with her character is anytime she's thinking about something, they show it. So mm. they show that she dropped her panties in the car. They show that she forgot her ring. They show like, like it's all in her mind's eye. She's the only character that gets mind's eye stuff. Yeah. And it's like she's not even a fucking main character. Like again, it's like a Tom Adkins situation. They're gonna kill her a bit into the movie. You think it's her movie? It's not her movie. It's Nancy Allen's movie essentially. Yeah. But I don't know. There's just. I feel like I loved this movie the first time I saw it, and I feel like I pick another hole in it every time I see it since. I do mostly like this movie, although, like I said, it's probably like it's like just teetering and like a little bit past the the halfway mark for De Palma movies for me. It's like it's good, but it's not flawless by any stretch. And like, yeah, I definitely think there's stuff to do with like the. Um, just like how the plot's structured, it it's also very. It, it takes its time, and this movie wasn't like an overly long movie, but it just felt very drawn out in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got to be the cinematography because I think like yeah, those shots just 
yeah linger for a while and i it's get that's so good yeah <laughs> yeah like they're used to great effect but then it also just kind of backfires a few times where i was like oh god this is just going on way too long and like mm -hmm. i get it's building <laughs> to suspense but like there's a sp suspense already you don't need to keep doing that but well yeah and, and it's funny because we uh, i mean cover that we've already covered sisters on this podcast is because there's a lot of things that make me think of sisters in this movie mm -hmm. yeah um especially uh, the glint off of the uh the razor blade yeah. in that first like and just the colorful nature of it and especially the starkness of blood when it appears on the screen is very reminiscent of, of sisters and it's like a cool thing that he brought with him that he also obviously took from uh hitchcock as well um but yeah it's just there's there's I also left myself wondering between both movies, does De Palma like women or is he just always in a, like a distrustful relationship with women? Uh, <laughs> he, he likes, if you've seen the documentary, he's like constantly. Oh yeah, like, no, I know. It, it makes like, you question it though. Yeah. I think he does like women. Uh, I don't know if it's like the most progressive view on women, but he does like no. women. Um, well, I, I mean the ease for, for, for a woman and and I mean, usually it's it's the it's it's the men that are that are more privy to to adulterous affairs and stuff like that. But in a lot of De Palma's work, it's it's the woman that's being devious. Yeah. It's the woman that that's stepping outside of the, the the relationship and stuff. And it's just like, and then it's all so male gazy at the same time that it's it's mm. some stuff's really tough. I will say too, especially yeah. in Dress to Kill, especially yeah. in Dress. I mean, yeah. Angie Dickinson's character as a whole is just a very tough character to swallow. Also, too, like Michael Caine looks very feminine in this movie. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what they did, but like, they definitely make him seem more feminine than he otherwise is. Um, but one thing I will say I, in the positive column is that the movie is I was very glad to see some split screen action, which De Palma does really well. Mm -hmm. Um, like you know not too many directors just split the screen and this like especially to good effect like he always does that really well to build tension because you're like you're seeing this kind of parallel actions and you're like oh um so yeah i was like ooh, more de palma split screen i'm here for it <laughs> uh when was the first time we watched this movie oh at some point in the 90s um i i i know I know when I first watched it, it was something that I wasn't supposed to be watching. <laughs> like immediately, you know, you're like, like if you're if if you're under eighteen or like, because I was probably fourteen or something when I watched it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not you're not supposed to be watching this movie. Yeah, um, I watched it for the podcast, like <laughs> a lot of the movies that we cover on this podcast. But uh, you know. When do you ever get really a time to watch an erotic thriller? <laughs> yes. Which is like really a, a genre that's just kind of died. Like there's not too many erotic thrillers. I mean, anymore. I don't. I mean, there were like a couple erotic scenes, like the opening scene and where the main character just gets into her underwear for almost no reason. But like, I, I don't know if anything else about this movie really screams erotic to me. Otherwise, I, was gonna I don't say, know. Yeah, like, uh, arguable on how erotic it really is. Like, it's erotic for 1980. Nowadays, it's like, oh, I can see shit like this on TV. Like, <laughs> like it's not that, not that risque. 
Yeah. Um, I watched it like I want to say like six or seven years ago. I just did like a real deep dive into De Palma. Just watched like all of his movies, and uh, yeah, I still like even at the time when I watched it, I put like mid mid tier De Palma. It still hasn't really changed much for me. Like there are worse De Palma movies, and there's better De Palma movies, and this one just falls kind of like right in the middle for me. Um, I do like I still like I said I do generally still find it positive like. I, at least in my opinion, like a bad De Palma movie is at the very least usually very interesting still. It might not be good, but it's at the very least usually pretty interesting. So, um, but yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, got a couple emails, one from Harriet who says, De Palma is great for making B-movie schlock, but really elevating it. This movie is sleazy, but it's shot directed so well, I had a blast. That's good. Glad someone had a blast. Well, oh. <laughs> it is fun in a lot of ways, and in, in, in the design of it. But I, yeah, it, like I, I think we've all admitted to the fact that it's just the timing of it is just really tough to swallow sometimes. Yeah. Exactly. Um. All right. Daisy says, "I love how De Palma was like, yeah, I can do a Jello movie too. Yeah, it does feel very Jello at times, I guess." Very yeah, cool. it's just missing the the black glove things. Yeah, it does have glove play in the movie. White but beige not... gloves. <laughs> beige gloves. <laughs> Why did he put it on to her <laughs> shoulder? What? Why are you it, wearing it, man? Man, it that whole first scene was set up almost to be like he was gonna murder her or she mm -hmm. was gonna murder him, but no, he has a venereal disease and she gets murdered by someone else in the elevator. <laughs> so can yeah, it that that whole the whole lead up and and end game of it is so freaking weird. <laughs> yeah, like it's so weird. We're gonna we're gonna do this thing where we're sitting next to each other on the same bench and then you're gonna chase me i don't what yeah it's like there were a bunch of random scenes that De Palma was picturing in his head but he couldn't figure out quite how to string it together so he's like yeah. you know what we'll we'll have these people um shack up later but let's put them in a super tense almost chase sequence first yeah because i want to film in an art museum and have all these cool looking shots Mm -hmm. Which do look really cool, but yeah, I, kind of like you mentioned earlier, Steve, the payoff is just not, doesn't quite no. match up with what happens in the scene. No, and like, what, it, this whole thing got Angie horny? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and like, oh my god, how, like, I don't know what it's like to be a New York, or like, to be a cab driver. Oh god, yeah. If that's like a regular thing <laughs> that shit happens, but like. That guy was like, whoa, yeah! <laughs> like, he was yeah, adjusting yeah. his mirror like crazy and stuff. And he was just like, yeah. Does he, does he not realize he's going to have to clean that up later in his yeah. own cab? Welcome to the bang bus, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Different times. <laughs> but uh, I will say, like, Michael Cade in drag is, like, I, I don't mean this as, like, a, a like, thing against people like trans people or anything i just thought you'd specify but like just in this specific instance it just looks horrifying <laughs> like you see him with like the wig and the glasses and everything you're like oh my god yeah i mean they are purposely trying to make him horrifying which yes. one of the things about this movie that 
I mean, it's it's about a lot of the films that part of the horrifying aspect is, oh my god, it was a man dressed as a woman the whole time. How mm-hmm. terrifying. Yeah. When it's just like, meh. Like, you purposely made this character terrifying. That's what makes him terrifying. Not the fact that it was a transgender woman this whole time. But whatever. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It was also nice seeing Keith Gordon in this, too. Like, He's pop. He pops up in a few different things. Like he was also Christine, obviously, uh, and uh, yeah, just always great seeing him pop up and stuff. Uh, let's see, best line in this movie. Uh, the, the Phil the, Donahue stuff. <laughs> I was. I think I wrote down the only one that I actually managed to write down was that scene of them outside the elevator talking about stocks or something like that while the woman's getting murdered inside <laughs> um, yeah, oh it's so insane and, and then you... it's not quite a line but like towards the end of the movie when they're having that strange conversation about what it's like to surgically transition and they're talking about castration and things like that not that conversation in itself that conversation was just kind of weird and seemed unnecessary to me but in the background there is a woman who is just scandalized by their conversation and she has the best facial expressions while this whole conversation is going on and it was so funny because you can just see as this conversation is going on she's getting more and more like what 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 like all like puffy and upset and things like that and that was so it was kind of hilarious and i loved it and it's not technically a line but i enjoyed it greatly yeah there was a great uh, oh go ahead I'm going to go with any of Dennis Franz's lines as Detective Marino. Oh, he's great. Mm. He's just got this 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 unpleasant, tough guy rolling a toothpick in his mouth. The whole demeanor to everything that he says. Mm-hmm. And holy fuck, his fucking style. Like, leather jacket with the huge lapels and everything. And, like, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, he's just oozing style. <laughs> and he's in a total separate movie at some points. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, there's, uh, well, my, one of my favorites is when uh, Liz says, thank God straight fucks are still in stock. Yeah. <laughs> or the when he, when she walks up to the um, the that street gang mm-hmm. to try to, like, kind of blend into the crowd and, and get away... <laughs> <laughs> from from the murderer and then one guy's like oh you're fine with me and then the rest of the game's like well we'll fuck you up yeah <laughs> it's like oh well you know what they say one out of ten mm-hmm. um there's also the exchange between liz and uh dr elliot where uh she asks like if he wants to fuck her and uh he says something like, like, I'm a doctor. She says, like, I fucked a lot of doctors. And then he goes, and I'm married. She goes, fucked a lot of them, too. Was <laughs> this scene also with um, um, Michael Caine going to visit uh, Dr. Levy at the mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's so much context in that scene where it, it feels like Dr. Levy is just kind of like, just he he has more knowledge that he's not giving obviously right yeah. mm-hmm. so he is just kind of letting kane kind of like say his things and then like not quite validating them 
but just doing what he can to get him out the door. Yeah. And then when he gets him out the door, he has that knowing look of just like, oh, shit's going fucked up. Because she's obviously not there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, Because she is him. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good scene. I liked that one. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because it's David Margulies that plays that role. Nice. Interesting. Uh, Best performance in this movie. Oof. There's, there's, there's some real... Keith Gordon or I, I mean Nancy Allen's doing her goddamn best. Yeah. Yeah. I give it to her for the hustle. And yeah. she's got some great hair in this movie. I don't know it, why, but I just really liked hair. her hair. Mm-hmm. Best performance goes to the hair and art hair and makeup artists of this movie. And it's it's funny because when you get to the kind of that end scene and everything, it was like <laughs> and this is just so funny. It just even though she's a call girl and everything, there's just something so, that's also kind of sweet about her. Even after the the lingerie scene, um, the it was kind of like a betrayal that she had a nude scene, a nude shower scene in the end. It's just like you didn't need <laughs> that. I don't know. Some people need that, Steve. Yeah, yeah. apparently, Some people. especially in 1980. But... Yeah. I mean, whatever. I, I just feel like in now sensibilities, it's like, yeah, it feels like a, a, a lot of the nudity feels absolutely unnecessary, especially Angie Dickinson massaging her nipple with a, with soap <laughs> over and over again for the first part of the movie. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I mean there's a reason she's, she's lived so far to be 91. It's because she was soaping up her nipple for so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was an easy way for me to remember which one of these films we're talking about was filmed in the 90s versus the 80s because I was just like, oh, right, there's yeah. like astronomically more titties in Dress to Kill than there is the other one. Oh, for sure. Also, pretty much most 90s movies were like your step-parents or your fucking, I was the fucking villain. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Uh, best Kill. I mean, it's got to be the elevator kill, right? Yeah. It's the most memorable. Yeah. Yeah. I did kind of wish that um, Liz Liz's character had actually got killed in that one scene at the end where it's actually just a dream. Because mm-hmm. that whole ending of the movie, they could have cut it and it would have it would have been exactly the same, in my opinion. Um, uh, yeah. It's 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 almost superfluous. Like, it's unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we already know that Michael Caine's character is a psycho, so I don't I don't feel like we really need to see him being even more psycho later. But if the movie had ended with him for some reason being free, and then he gets actual revenge and kills the woman that he's what you know was going after the whole time, then that would have been pretty cool, actually. But no, it's it's just a dream. So I guess honorable mention goes to that one because it wasn't actually a kill. But I I there's a possibility of a great kill in there. Uh, dumbest decision. Yeah, I agree with Taylor's earlier thing about picking up the weapon, touching it. Yeah, it's well, just I mean... a ridiculous move, and it, it it automatically makes her suspect number one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like uh, probably wasn't the best idea, girl. And you're also just getting like the victim's blood all over you. Like, ew! Don't don't touch it. Just leave it. Someone else will come and deal with it. Um, I think it's time to rate this. Let's everyone think for a score. 
I'm going to go uh, 7.5. Okay. Uh, just know that when I first saw this, it was probably 8.59. And it just it just gets a little dull duller every time. I might go low on this one with like a six. I don't know how to feel about this one. It's it's definitely messy. Um, and there were like some individual moments that were like kind of comical that made me chuckle. Um, but I just don't know if I have the patience for it. It it really hangs in some parts and really is gratuitous in some parts um, that I'm just like, meh, this didn't really need to be. This movie could have been like, easily half an hour 45 minutes less and i probably would have enjoyed it maybe a bit more but yeah so i'm i'm gonna go with a six okay uh i'll go with a seven uh i, I think before i would have had it at an eight and upon rewatching it i'm just docking it a little bit i mean like i said i still think uh lesser de palma is still better than like a lot of other movies out there but you know in terms of like the grand scheme of all of his movies it, it's not quite up there for me um still still had a good time watching it even if like i was like huh we all know at this point problem's got his twist endings you know and it's like that's something about his movies i always find comical like i wonder if at a certain point people were just like yeah like carrie and all that he's got to have that twist ending right so um yeah cool well steve where can people find you on the internet uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the Steve Dead. I'm also the same, I believe, on Letterboxd. Uh, you can find my website, stevestebbing.ca. And I am on The Shift every Thursday at 11 p.m. with uh, Shane Hewitt. And that's uh, across Canada. Um, apparently, I'm also on Hive and Mastodon. So there's those, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because Twitter's turned into a shit show. Oh, my God. It's, it's, the, it's worse than it's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What happens when you let 13-year-olds in a grown man's body take over? Jesus Christ. I mean, we should have known as soon as the guy walked in with a fucking sink. Like, he's a fucking walking meme. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. That's all he aspires to be is a meme, which yeah. means he really has no substance other than no. that. He could be Tony Stark, but it's, and he's not even Lex Luthor. He's just a fucking moron. Yeah. Hey, don't forget, he actually showed up in the MCU at one point, too. Ugh. That's terrible. Ugh. Taylor, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I am on Instagram or Twitch. Sometimes, not all the time. Uh, my username is Techronomicon. Uh, I'm on Letterboxd under the name Circeanic, and I have a blog where I will post about, if I do anything else of note, circeanic.home.blog. Uh, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm over at threegreeners.com. We've got stuff going up almost every day. And then, uh, you know, I'm still on Twitter. Uh, I don't know for how much longer, but I'm still on there. Uh, Film Credit Kurt. Uh, I haven't enjoyed Hive yet. I'm also just lazy. And I'm like, eh. But I should do it eventually. <laughs> I'm also, like, just waiting because, like, everyone's like, look at all these new social medias. And I'm like, eh, okay, let's wait till the dust settles. Because I'm sure, like, like 75% of them are going to get forgotten about after all the kerfuffle. But uh, I do at least like Hive. Like, Hive is looking interesting. People let me know. Yeah. Hive. I, I like Hive more, for sure. I, Mastodon, it's hard to, with all the different servers and weird shit, it's just really hard to figure out. 
that's I was I was getting that kind of vibe from it. I looked at it, I was like, yeah, this seems very convoluted. And I'm a very yeah. simple person. I don't need convoluted. Cool. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm uh, occasionally on 630 Chet out in Edmonton or CKNW News Talk 980. So check me out there. And, uh, yeah, until next time, everybody. Bye for now.